let's make this happen. Like it, it's not just the development announcements. There is a sense when you have Annapolis is investing in Baltimore region. We understand, I think, what our big challenges are. Now it's all about, can we get on the same page and work together to make the impact that people really expect of us? Welcome to Center Maryland's The Lobby Pod. We have a really special guest from Baltimore, Maryland today. Mark Anthony Thomas. He's the president and chief executive officer of the GBC. All of us in Maryland public affairs know that is the Greater Baltimore Committee. Uh, but I think those three letters are going to mean a lot more to the audience after we talk with uh, Mark today. Mark Anthony Thomas brings more than two decades of experience leading competitive economic development strategies and public-private partnerships for the nation's largest and most complex metropolitan area. So we have people on all the time that are experts in policy or experts in uh, elected office, and they bring different tools to the table. Mark is something different. Mark is an actual professional who knows how to turn around uh, big cities and regions. And most recently, we've, we saw it in Pittsburgh. Mark, I want to welcome you to the Center Maryland, the Lobby podcast. I'm happy to be here. Thank you. So talk to us about how you got to Baltimore, because I think that will help people understand, you know, how you're not just a, forgive me, I was once a trade association executive. You're not just a trade association executive. You're not just the GBC president leader, the leader of the regional voice for business and community in, in the Baltimore area. But like you're a trained, proven, professional turnaround artist for cities. I am. I was in... Pittsburgh as the president of their regional alliance, which has 10 counties. And so there's obviously a lot of talk about Pittsburgh City and the resurgence that's happened there. But if you look at all the Western PA, there's still a ton of work to be done. And so I had the opportunity to transform at least the latest version of where they're heading with their economy. And I literally just got a call saying we're really impressed with the work you've done there and throughout your career, would you consider leading this post-merge organization? And obviously you go through a formal search process. Uh, there are a lot of good candidates from what I was told. You're talking about the GBC now. So there was yeah, merged organization just for the audience. You'll remember there was, there is the GBC and there was also something called the economic Alliance of greater Baltimore, which was, sort of absorbed into the GBC and you'll be taking on some of those functions, right? So it's That's correct. And I actually come more from the economic alliance world. And so the first flag is I'd never heard of them. <laughs> <laughs> and I and in our field we all know each other. We know who the leading regional organizations are. I mean they're very significant as far as like the scale of impact. And, and so you want to be the best in the country. And it was an opportunity to start fresh for a region I thought could actually use and benefit from having a strong entity that I'm now leading. Talk to me about what you saw in Baltimore that said, hey, this is this is going to be a unique challenge. I mean, you're obviously the kind of professional that's just hungry for a challenge. 
But how did that manifest itself in the selection of Baltimore? I'd just say you selecting Baltimore is the place you want to be. You know what it is? You If you've been through multiple markets, especially having worked in both New York and L.A., like size was no longer important to me. And what I thought hard about is, you know, I was at an age where I really wanted to have almost like a capstone project. <laughs> right. And I wanted to be a place that I actually could see myself staying and then working for a very long time. And Baltimore checked all those boxes. And it's a special place that in the world of city brands and perceptions and urban challenges, regionalism, you could see where someone could make an impact if they brought the right tools to the table. And so I felt uniquely qualified to be that person. Yeah, I could feel your confidence. I think I met you at uh, sort of a social gathering briefly, and I had just imagined sort of everybody pouring it on you for the last several weeks. So I didn't want to, I didn't want to be one of those people. But after talking to you, I was like, this guy is either gonna really make a significant change right out of the gate. Or I'm never going to see him again, and I'll never get a chance to, to to sort of recap what you've been able to do. So this to me, this is a super cool honor to come back at you, like uh, maybe a year after I first very briefly met you socially. And I got to tell you, astounded, not just by the way that you have cemented your relationships in the Baltimore region and around the state as a voice and face for Baltimore, but who is somebody who who really brought their own confidence to the game, like almost like a new NFL football coach or like a Brandon High, new baseball coach. Just they bring a different style of leadership that really begins to not only bring people together, but then compel them forward. I just want to congratulate you for right, that. Thank you. Yeah, it's been it's actually been fun. I I wanted such of a challenge frankly and i don't actually think the issues are as hard as people think it, let's talk yeah let, let's talk about this and uh maybe i could test your probe you on some of those a little bit so yeah. let's talk about it. like you're coming into a, you know sort of the i guess the usual suspects and, and subjects that any regional leader would have to deal with but i think you put your i think you put your imprimatur on it pretty wonderfully we'll talk about that in a second but could could you just go over what you see like it's it's February, it's 2024, you got a mayor's race, you got a relatively new governor in there, you've got all of these corporate executives and nonprofit leaders, including our, our university presidents, which is yes. just an amazing asset. Talk to me about how you set your priorities for 2024, what those priorities are. So if anything, I said it when I first came, right? So I spent the first... I'll say rapid four months listening and asking people where did they see a void. There's the perspective you have from the outside of knowing places that have vision, that are aspirational, and what they amplify outside of the their markets, right? I'll give you a good example. Like Las Vegas is clearly building a sports economy. Right. And they're well starting to message that with the Super Bowl, the new baseball stadium. The last 10 years, it was a whole different strategy. And I have this obsession with just their economic development work. No one can really speak to what the Baltimore region was trying to be. And right. 
to me, it was clear that that's the leadership role that the GBC should develop. And I have to actually build people's confidence that we know how to do that. And so that's my big focus for this year. We not had a pretty good first 12 months. To me, I would still be on that path right now. So really, what? So I'm expecting that we're going to have some conversation about like transportation projects yeah. or connecting in the downtown and then connecting in the region. But you're saying before we even get into that, let me tell you what we're all about, which is presenting the vision of what greater Baltimore ought to be. A hundred percent. Yeah. And it, it is to some extent, the things that we do in transportation around vacants, around public safety will all be in support of us becoming a, a dynamic regional economy that the world should rival. But if that's right. So you, that's right. Yeah. right. So instead of just like ticking off these, I'm just like coming at this from a communication sense. Instead of just ticking off the, you know, sort of the priorities, you want to put those in the context of like how we're going to be a great city, right? Like it's not just like, oh, we got to fix this. This has never worked. What are we going to do? You know, but it's about something bigger. I get it. I get yeah. It. And I think it help. I think where I'm excited to this year is to help people understand what I'm a student of. Like, like how did I get to the framework that I have? And I credit growing up in Atlanta. Like my first economic development memory was Atlanta going after the Olympics. Oh, cool! <laughs> like think about yeah, a yeah, southern yeah. city beating Athens, Greece for its own centennial games. Like right. you, you don't under. <laughs> Think about opportunity. How old do you think you were when you saw that going on? I was ten years old. I was, right. I was in sixth grade. So that for me, that for for me and everything I've gotten into, that would be similar to like Harbor Place for me, which is yes. kind of funny, you know. And I'm sure you've heard that a million times from people, but yeah, what an amazing thing to see and learn and watch a whole city get around it, and then what, like ten years later, you're watching it on TV happening, right? Yeah. And so I remember my teacher celebrating. I remember all of the people downtown Atlanta being like, oh, my God, we literally are hosting the 100th anniversary of the Olympic Games. And so when you hear that typical, I'm going to say a typical Baltimore, because it won't be a Baltimore, I'll say a typical Baltimore County business voice. When you first meet them, you know, I think you got to be a little steely because they're just going to come at you with all of these sort of deficiency points about Baltimore. Maybe they got a big vision they want to share with you, but you got, I mean, how do you convey that to the people? Like I'm hearing you, I'm listening to you, but also I want you to know this guy you're looking at since I was 10 years old, I've been watching people say it can't be done and then watch it turn around and get done and happen and be you know, the hundredth uh, anniversary of the Olympics. Is that how do you how do you sort of balance that conversation or make that happen? Because you did it with me before I could even get into like, well, maybe you look at this challenge. I was like, this guy's got confidence that I've never seen about how he can be the cement for this community to or the mortar for these bricks in this community to pull together. And and uh I just once I said I was like, we just gotta sit back and watch this guy now. You know what it is? There's a lived experience of overcoming obstacles. It's one, like I grew up very humble. So to be the first in my family to go to college, I went to University of Georgia and became one of the history makers. So I started young as far as proving to myself that you can overcome every challenge that people say you can't. 
yeah. And that has translated extremely well into the career that I've had. And I, I would say it was really put to test when I first went to Los Angeles. And so I worked on five major reforms that were funded by business within the city of LA. And the biggest of those was creating the chief procurement officer. But for 25 years, they never were able to create a centralized procurement leader for the nation's second largest city. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So when I literally see now the executive orders, the proclamation, the actual office being operational, and all the consensus building required to make that happen, you do that multiple times in your career, and you, you learn at a personal level and then on a professional level how to not be overwhelmed by the naysayers. Right. And you got a little bit of a pearl necklace or a um, a jewel box or a, or a crown, I'm thinking, where you can literally like, like walk around with you and be like, there's L.A., there's Pittsburgh. <laughs> so you can see this stuff works. Here's, Baltimore's going to be the next pearl on the necklace. Yeah, that, that's why I use the phrase of like what am I a student of? Because there was the watching people make stuff happen, which then inspired me to say, okay, if they can do that. And I grew up also in Atlanta under civil rights leaders. Like these are people who changed America. <laughs> right, right, right. And so but, when you see when you see Reverend Al Hathaway, like you know, we could turn Thurgood Marshall into our own Martin Luther King for for Baltimore, just to see us to Atlanta. You're looking at him and going, "Yeah, you can. You can do that." Yeah. <laughs> and especially in my early twenties, they were still most of them were still living, right? So I spent time with the King family, with John Lewis, with Maynard Jackson. Like these were people yeah, literally yeah. you see in black and white film, right? Yeah. yeah. But I was still old enough to be exposed to them in a way that they gave me their spirit. Yeah, nice. Yeah, and that matters a lot. Where A lot. To me, I feel like I'm one of their... It's almost like they gave birth to an economic development kid. Yeah, 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 yeah. And so I've almost taken the ambition that I saw there and said, I want to define that in a way that fits the field that I'm in. Beautiful. Yeah. And Atlanta is such a a great exemplar for everybody to take a look over the last 30 years. You just, it's undeniable what's happened there. Yeah. So. Yeah. And one would have thought even 20 years ago that Atlanta was done, that it had wow. reached millions of people, that it was a dynamic place. I mean, now it's, I mean, it has aspirations to be one of the top five tech hubs in America. Like it's, it's pursuing even greater heights from what it has already reached. And that was the lesson I think I learned even in New York that we weren't done despite being- it seems to leverage its history versus like getting tripped up by it. Yeah. You know, it's, it's uh, like you said, people seem to take up the torch as from one generation to the next. Yeah. We've, we've had a ton of issues. The GBC's always could have been a, a front forward face for transportation. Uh, you got the red line. Uh, uh, it's a big conversation. Um, we have transit-oriented developments, which are sort of in the city of Baltimore, sort of no-brainers, but in the county where they could be really utilized most, they're sort of viewed with a great deal of skepticism by some of the incumbent 
elected officials up there. The regional transportation agenda has always been something that the GBC has uh, has held out as a as a sort of core set of priorities for their work. Talk about the little the, the regional transportation environment from your standpoint, based on all your experience and sort of how you were approaching the transportation conversation in Maryland today. Yeah, in fact, it was one of the things that was probably the most organized when I landed was we had created the Baltimore's Transit Future Campaign in collaboration with the Greater Washington Partnership and like 70 plus of our partners. And so they had identified a series of goals around funding, obviously expansion and investment. Which was uh, a beautiful thing because you're not coming out of the gate screaming about Baltimore. You're yeah. coming out of the gate and saying, we're all big one thing, this whole megalopolis. We've yeah. got to approach that together, right? That's a, that's a new look. Yeah, so that's that's been helpful. So obviously, I feel like I walked into some pretty big issues. But to me, I think the... The way I've seen transit really get the attention it deserves is as part of a broader economic outlook. Right. Yeah. And so that's what we're we're ensuring that we align that. So TLDs fit into that, expanding the system, redline and other investments fit into the long-term economic prosperity of the region. Obviously, the funding cuts are a big thing this year, but we were able to make the case to not uh, set that on fire just yet. And so we kicked the can for a little bit of time to work on a broader plan. So I feel like we're having the right conversation and the right people at the table and the right people care about it. What do you feel like the red line conversation is these days? You know, we spent eight years complaining about it getting cut. And now we, we got, now we've got a whole nother outlook. Talk, talk about what your view is on that conversation. Yeah, so at least in the current place we're in, uh, and I kind of pause on that, is it is we're almost waiting to hear back from the state on what the next steps are. And there was obviously a lot of work done in the fall to get a sense of what people want, they don't want, what are the different routes that are viable. And, and that could be a whole, you think that could be a whole conversation like, is this going to be fixed rail? Is this going to be light rail? Is this going to be BRT? Yeah. All those kinds of things are really, it's a its a brand new opportunity to sort of re-envision the whole connection, right? It is. But my sense is, is that the conversations expanded beyond just redline, right? Yeah. We're talking yeah. equitable funding. We're talking how to give Baltimore a unified voice as a region around trends right. in that at least I'm walking into those conversations. So the red line feels like it's a project in a broader. Right. right. Cause they're talking about transit authority, perhaps right? Yeah. some of your, your partner organizations, the uh, light rail, when you come into, have you written that thing yet? I have. Yeah. So what, I mean, I'd love to just get your take on that. Cause. Uh, no, it's cool. It, it's it, in some way you can tell that we just haven't built around our transit lines. So it feels underutilized. My, my sense is some of the policies that people have proposed and some of the investments the state put in last year is to kickstart more TLD projects. Yeah. But, you know, I'm, I'm happy we have it, <laughs> but it's clearly <laughs> an opportunity for growth long term. Yeah. I was like, if the light rail is ever going to work in its present condition, it's got to have a ton of TOD. You got to have particularly people out in the county 
building dense developments on or around this thing so it becomes sort of an attractive amenity for county residents as opposed to like this maybe i'm stuck in the 1970s i told you i had that sort of hot harbor place point of view but yeah it seems to me anytime and i used to work for a county executive in baltimore county it's like anytime you're talking about transit in baltimore county it comes with all this other planning uh i dare say racial or demographic baggage that you know doesn't really seem fair to people that are just trying to say hey man we got some tracks here we've got some that we got some great demographics of people that live here let's let's pull something together and make use out of this whole thing uh do you feel like you you have a tough time walking into that or do you feel like you can you kind of pull the veil off a little easier because of your experience all over the country yeah i don't actually i'm not i don't have the wear and tear that people have of a lot of these issues <laughs> right, 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 right. Uh, and then even we have tough months you just the next month yeah it's like yeah keep moving so you're not like you're not one of these people it's like how can you i mean can we even do a tod in baltimore county you're like yeah we can do this man we can yeah do this. it's gonna take some i mean those are hard sensitive conversations and it's not no matter how progressive the state or place is when, when you start altering the development landscape is is never going to be a perfect process, and you know. So if you sign up for this line, like of- you are, you, you heard the people uh, saying the green line was never going to happen in Atlanta, right? Is there, yeah. is the Belt Line, sorry, the Belt yeah, the Line. line. Yeah. That that'll never happen. Yeah, and but now it's, now it's now it's a model for everybody. It's like an amazing project, and obviously there's you you do have some displacement that happens. But broadly, it has reoriented how people view the city. Uh, but I've had some tough. Well, I was one of the leaders of Amazon HQ2 in New York, and a lot of wow. people know that. So that the winner, the winner, yeah, the winner than the winner, right? <laughs> right. <laughs> yeah. So to me, that that's that's probably been the most intense development thing I've ever been in the room for, and <laughs> been like part of trying to course correct something of that nature. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Now, look, I, I view myself as one of these, uh, and I think there are a lot of us out there, ambassadors of Baltimore. So, like, uh, just like there's a a guy in New, uh, from New York City that's in Hong Kong and he's wearing a Yankee hat, uh, you know, over there, and, and I'm the same way wherever I go. And there were two moments I want to tell you. It felt like it felt great to be a Baltimorean again. Uh, one was it was like a big Sunday night baseball game and they were at Camden Yards and the stadium was going bonkers. The Orioles came from behind to win and I got to see my friend and governor like literally hosing people down with the bird bath thing on national television. I'm in Denver or San Francisco or something watching it, just so stoked. And then my other favorite memory, uh, and, and you'll appreciate this from our initial conversation where I was just thinking, this guy's either going to go bigger. I'm never going to see him again. Right. That was my last thinking uh, of seeing you. And then here I am, I'm in an airport somewhere and I look up on the screen for the United club and there's Mark Anthony Thomas with the president of the United States of America <laughs> talking about the Baltimore federal tech hub designation. And I said, that's my, that's, I said, that's my man right there. Thank you. So tell me about that whole experience because it seems like a big deal for Baltimore. 
Well, so so I want to tell the story first, right? Like tech is booming in certain parts of the country at an astronomical rate and it's leaving certain markets behind. And so even like the billion or so that we see in VC, it like pales in comparison to what you see in New York and Toronto and the Bay. And so the federal tech hub opportunity was to apply to be part of a cohort of markets where we can change that dynamic. And so in May, when they released the application, I had eyed this because I was pushing for when I was in Pittsburgh for the passing of the federal bill that look, I'm in Baltimore now, like we have to go after this and it has to be done right because I don't want to lose. And I think it would be a missed opportunity for Baltimore if we lost this. And to me, that's the way I want to approach everything that we do, where it has to be big. And so when we submitted, I felt great just that we had got everybody to be on the same page because that hasn't been the recent experience of people. But then when I got a call saying, <laughs> I actually learned about introducing the president before I learned that we won. <laughs> <laughs> so I, it was like the best reaction I think I've had in my life. Yeah. Because it was we like, did. okay, this is amazing. But then it's like, oh my God, we actually won. Like that mattered more than anything. Yeah, does that mean that that AI, like this tech community in Baltimore, you're talking about sort of getting in the rate, what we're in the correct wavelength? Do, do we have to get right into this AI stuff because it's, it seems to be just driving so much corporate profit? So it's so this will fund. So the program's a ten billion dollar fund that will be allocated over years. It was bipartisan, so right. Luckily, it will survive the politics. But it will invest in the ecosystem for projects that will support entrepreneurs and ultimately build a talent pipeline to feed the companies. Wow. And so when you look at where the ecosystems that have really surpassed where we are, that's required a lot of public and private investment and risk taking to get their tech ecosystems to where they are. This gives us an opportunity to start to coalesce around that kind of approach to do the same thing here. And, and so all our, all our universities can plug into that. Yeah. So the first round of funding is a $500 million pot. And we're competing for up to 70 million of that. Okay. And, you know, what it looks like is like the consortium members are developing their ideas. And then if they're funded, then they can actually implement them with federal support. This is a big opportunity. And it's, it, and you almost have to take every win and then start winning other ways. <laughs> so yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, and so it's a, a nice early national story that works well with all the other announcements that are underway. That can because yeah, Baltimore is kind of an undercapital. I would argue, kind of an undercapitalized city, understanding all the existing infrastructure that, that's there. And this is the federal government saying, not only we're backstopping you, but we're we're coming in heavy here in this region. Yeah. Yeah. No, I think we're going to, the, the next year, why, what makes me really excited is there was so much positive news last year that it gives us a, a nice runway to get further ahead of where we would have been if we didn't have the last year. <laughs> I agree. Well, yeah. I mean, you got the, the designations, you got the sports teams cooking, yeah. you got the, Murder number uh, down, and yeah. it, it sounds beautiful. Uh, still a ton of challenges, but, you know, 
all a person needs that's in your shoes is to be able to show Progress. that path, those stones that yeah. people can step on after you already walked out on the water. And I think you could see them. Uh, the GDP numbers, like I've never seen anything like that related to Baltimore. Where they're like, we're right behind Loudoun County. I was, I was sending that to all my Baltimore naysayers. It's, it, there's a real collective of of momentum that you guys have around you, and I love to, I love to watch how you're, you're marshalling it. Yeah, thank uh, you. Stay, stay tuned. The thing is, you know how if you've been in our in the role like mine you know how to then take this and then like feed it to the world and that's literally what we're about to do and it's not I'm to a believer yeah it's not to sugarcoat anything because we want to actually be a partner with all the problems that still exist and that will never stop yeah I'll, be, I'll get in trouble for saying this but there was a part of the baltimore experience that that when people were invited to be a part of something new or big or some momentum piece. You never quite knew if it was like a whole platform that was stable or it was a particular plank that one organization or entity kind of put out there, which for a whole community to stand on a plank is a little Hard, insecure. Yeah. Right. And I feel like what you all have put out there is a very visible platform that everybody at least knows where to stand and they feel confident standing. That's, that's powerful. No, and I agree. And that's, that's the power of organizations like the GBC. And I was sending people at the table helping ensure that the strategies and the partnerships that we put in place work, but I need people to say, Hey, go and be our ambassador. Because if you if you weren't doing what you were doing, the the whole conversation in Baltimore right now, which wouldn't be a bad conversation, but it's not as opportunistic as your conversation might be. Everybody might just be talking about the New Harbor Place, yeah. Versus how does the New Harbor Place fit into this broader dynamic? Right, yeah. yeah, yeah. On that front, uh, housing has been a big issue. It seems to even have caught the the democratic zeitgeist of political conversation in Maryland where just sort of everybody that has any ounce of power or progress under their belt somehow has also talking about housing. Now you all are the GBC is doing an effort with build, which is a faith-based organizing powerhouse Uh, and the, and the, and the mayor of Baltimore. Uh, Can you talk a little bit about that housing agenda? Yeah. So when you look at, things through an investment attraction lens. And I've worked on more RFPs and competitive bids than people will ever understand. The numbers that people look at when they're looking at housing and demographics and growth can be a huge barrier to us attracting investment. So there is an economic case that we have to be collaborative to help people figure out how to address the issue at scale. Yeah. That's the reason GBC is involved, right? In addition to just being good for Baltimore. When we announced that we were going to collaborate, when I was actually just looking to, can I live in Baltimore? I kept seeing more YouTube videos, images of vacant houses, and it almost would scare you to say, let me actually move here, right? That's right. That's right. And so it's probably the thing that people talk to me about the most when I go back home, when I travel, they mentioned the blight. So I don't want us to run from the hard stuff. 
And in my mind, if we can show that we can transform that, yeah, it actually will send a signal to the world that Baltimore can actually fix its largest challenge. And it is not a short, there's not a shortage of ideas. The business community just hasn't been organized to be a partner for the people who are actually trying to make stuff happen. That's right. And that's, that's right. the part that I feel like we can provide that leadership. So kind of quickly, we hired PFM out of Philly to first do an analysis so we can agree on what the scale of the problem is. And so all the other conversations that you see about the issues tied to vacants, we haven't touched yet. The only thing we've really done is said, okay, this is the scale of the problem. Let's actually look at what it costs to fix this over a 15-year period. And then all the other things will tackle at a later date. Sounds like all the momentum is going in the right place. Uh, whether you're near or far, I think you can feel it coming out of Baltimore. Mark Anthony Thomas is central to that, that turnaround story. And uh, uh, I would love a critique if you could if you could listen to a few of these podcasts and say, hey, Damien, you know, I wanted to modernize your cheerleading for Baltimore. You could do it this way. I'm, I'm, I believe whatever you tell me, I'm in. Okay. Uh, you have proven you have proven to uh, even the most curmudgeon-y Baltimoreans that they have uh, they've got to take a new look at how their city works and how it fits into the future of this country and this world. I just can't thank you enough for for getting people around not only something positive but getting around something that's going to be productive and profitable and and uh, prosperous for. For so many people that have been untouched by those types of words in the last several decades, I want to thank you. Great. Thank you. Mark, any last thoughts you have? No, just let's make this happen. Like, it's not just the development announcements. There is a sense when you have Annapolis is investing in Baltimore region. We understand, I think, what our big challenges are. Now it's all about, can we get on the same page and work together to make the impact that people really expect of us? Well, I mean, I saw you coming into all of the uh, all of the challenging or negative or questioning or curious points of view, and you were unflappable. Now I'm giving you all the butter and glory, and you're unflappable through that. So I know we know we got the right man for the job. Thank you so much, Mark Anthony Thomas. Great, thank you. Thank you for joining us on Center Maryland's The Lobby Pod. If you like this content or anything else we're offering on Center Maryland, just go to centermaryland.org. You can sign up and get the five-day-a-week newsletter, which has all kinds of fun clips and, most importantly, has all the state's aggregated news every business day. So you got to get that. Uh, Join us again anytime you can on centermaryland.org.